thanks to the stormy Brisbane day that is keeping the barking dog quiet. This is Radio Brews News. My name is Matt Kirkegaard, host of Australian Brews News, Radio Brews News. And as ever, I'm joined by my good friend and colleague and all-round good beer guy, Pete Mitchum. Pete, welcome back. See, now this is what happens when you don't stick to the script. And thanks, oh, no. and thanks to Cryer Malt, um, we're also proud to bring you Radio Brews News. Um, thanks, Matt. I, I, thanks, I, I was going to work. I was going to work uh, Cryer Malt in there. Oh, I'm sure you um, would. But uh, yeah, no. So sorry, listeners. It's school holidays. Uh, the internet doesn't go in the quietest room of the house. Prop, we might have to look at getting maybe some Brews News studios to uh, improve the sound quality. But we can talk about where the money for that might come from a little bit later in the podcast. Yeah, but you can't. You'd lose the vibe. I reckon. Well, I think. Do they, well, I don't know. Listeners out there, do you? Would you like to have us in a controlled, soundproof booth? with, you know, perfect um, acoustics and all that sort of thing? Or do you like the little bit rough around the edges, wonder what's going to happen next kind of um, attitude that we bring to Radio Brews News? I just remember the uh, terrific response we had when your dulcitivity increased with the new microphone, Prof. So I'm just, you know, I just think that there is, you know, the, the, the rough hewn, like good craft beer, <laughs> you know, you, you might get into it for its rough edges, but, you know, you, you still want a little bit of quality um, to develop over time as well. Yeah, nice analogy. Yeah. So, Prof, how's your week been? Yeah, not too bad at all. Um, into the second week of school holidays, so um, yours are just starting, I think, aren't you? So uh, mine go back next week. No, 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 mine go back next week as well. Oh, there you go. So, yeah, so, uh, so, we, so yeah, the kids transmission are Transmission is normal, but, um, you know, uh, very good. Yeah, having a good week. Mm. Um, anything big happened for you this week? It seems to have been a fairly quiet week. Uh, James Atkinson wrote a story that Megabrew has edged one step closer. Yeah, that'll be... Uh, look, it, it's kind of one of those things years in the making, isn't it? Where, you know, it'll be an interesting step uh, given that it's fair to say big beer has kind of taken a step backwards in Australia. Certainly in the... Not, not in the mainstream, but, um, but has certainly it's been dinted more than it's been dinted at any time in the past. Because you, you think, you know, I mean, Carlton United Breweries, I think, formed around 1904, somewhere around, or 1908, somewhere around there. We'll uh, get Dr Brett J Stubbs to confirm that for us, or I could just look it up. And since then, uh, its acquisition of breweries has meant that it's grown from from that base of, I guess, you know, some small independent breweries to, you know, this is... Um, a very specifically Melbourne uh, brewery making lots of different beers back at the, back in the day, to the point where it's it's grown and grown and grown and grown. Now we're seeing for the first time, I guess it um, taking a bit of a dip. So to now go well, big beer is actually going to be go from being big beer to being mega beer. Uh, it, does that create excitement in the ninety eight percent that's not drinking craft beer, or does it's a, you know, they're taking something away from us again. It'll be interesting to see. What, what do you think? Uh, look, it, it, exactly. You know, I think it, it's one of those things. Nobody, like no beer drinker is going to go, oh, this is so exciting that AB InBev is taking over SAB. I don't think they care. Um, you know, whereas if there's a collaboration or some partnership between two small breweries, people can tend to get very excited for what that means. I think people realise that this is purely about business. But big beer, as you say, has become mega beer and it becomes so removed from the passion and the emotional attachment that people have. You know, when you've got a company 
that doesn't even. I mean, wh where does Mega Brew even base itself? Because it's a, a, a mega corporation that's based in London. It's a mega corporation that's based in uh, North America. It's a me mega corporation that's based based in Belgium. It's a mega corporation that's based in South America that have all come together. And so, it, so that whilst the individual brands have homes, the the, the actual company doesn't. And I think people do like. Um, to have a sense of place and a sense of location and a sense of connection to their to their beer and um, Mega Brew just takes that further away and it's purely about unit costs or you know synergies and all of those things you hear about. So um, you know, Prof, I, I I don't know what it means. I think it's all a little bit ho hum in one area um, until you start seeing, you know, last week James uh, posted a story saying that the settlement with line in Australia um, has reached with uh, AB InBev over the loss of the corona rights is worth $250 million to them. Um, and that's not sales, that's what the loss of the rights um, has has meant. So you can see the sort of dollars that they're talking about when that's just one brand. Um, but, you know, I'd, yeah, I'd, we'll wait and see. I'd, you know, Lion's response has been to, you know, develop smaller and smaller brands to keep that local presence and you know sort of try and tell people hey we're, we're still local despite the the overarching corporation being bigger um it, it, it doesn't affect the quality of the beer but i think it does show how important our emotional connection is to to brands <laughs> yes uh, and on that note now um it'd be interesting to say too whether uh does this mean that we either get brands that we had previously not been able to get uh, or does it mean that brands that we have been able to get previously, like Corona or uh, Heineken, Budweiser, or whatever it might be, uh, actually come in now at a lower price point um, with economies of scale, or, or do SAB Miller do things differently? And does that impact, I guess, the, um, the that, that fringe dweller who perhaps steps in and has a craft beer if it's if it's offered to him and doesn't turn his nose up at it, but doesn't necessarily uh, go out seeking it when it comes to you know buying a, a slab at Uncle Dan's on the weekend? Yeah, well, Coopers has been distributing Budweiser for a while. Is it Coopers? Yeah, I think Coopers had a deal with Budweiser for a while. I'm trying to think of uh, trying to keep up with it all. But yeah, but you know, look, I, I don't think it'll necessarily lead to cheaper beer prices because the, the, the big brewers want to charge as much as they possibly can, and if the the market will wear higher prices for the imports, and we we have seen that beers like Stella and Bex and Heineken have come down to what. A, you know, Australian premium beer prices, um, which incidentally is one of the reasons the big guys love um, the little creatures and the James Squire beers, because when you've got James Squire or Fat Yak being brewed at Yaddler and um, Lidcombe, you're, you're getting really good economies of scales. Any greater cost in the production of beer, if there is one, um, is still far less than the impressive margins that they get so you know whilst they're lower volume beers they are the margins that each case makes um is pretty significant so yeah no look i i don't think we'll see too much we're probably going to see more impressive advertising and you know uh, it means that uh where when they go out and do deals um in the form of contracts or anything else they've got a much wider portfolio um and i think that's probably the scary thing for craft brewers um because you can still have a 100% contract with uh, Mega Brew and have um, eight or nine 
tap facings that look like they're offering genuine choice when the same parent company owns them all. Yeah. And I guess at the, yeah, at the end of the day, then education is key. And I guess that's a small part of um, of what we do, where we sort of fit into the, the big picture. Yeah, absolutely. And as you know, we sort of, uh, one of our mantras, every time you buy a beer, you cast a vote for the future of the Australian beer industry. And if you're happy to have choice represented by one company's variety of products, um, then you can make that vote by uh, where you spend your money and what you spend it on. And I'm sure these and many other discussions will come up in a couple of weeks' time at the Australian Craft Brewers Conference. Being no doubt. In, no doubt. In your backyard. Yes, in Brisbane. So I think tickets are still available. You can still get in. Um, and uh, very you know, highly recommend uh, coming along. You're hosting one of the streams, Prof, uh, you and Kiralee? Yes. Yeah, Kiralee's doing um, brewery operations and I'm doing the business of beer. So uh, the yeah, marketing, logistics and um, selling and all sorts of bits and pieces, uh, more designed for, I guess, the non-brewers in the company. So for the you know, the sales guys or the owners or that sort of thing. And then the other room is is, is the more technical um, you know, brewing operation side of things. So it's uh, and it's, something for everyone. And Australian Brews News will be there. We've scored something of a coup by getting one of the uh, ACCC commissioners, I think the deputy chair of the ACCC, along um, for a question and answer session with brewers that we'll be hosting and uh, broadcasting on Australian Brews News. So uh, yeah, so look out for that. Um, head to the website and you'll see the nice big banner um, on top of the website that you could click and buy tickets, brewers, or even interested uh, persons. And that, that will be uh, paired with the Craft Beer Awards will be taking place that week as well. Um, so, yeah, if you, so yeah, watch if, you do, if you do want to come along to the Craft Beer Industry Association um, Awards, you do. I don't think tickets have been released to the public as yet, but uh, when they do, if you do want to get in, get in quick because uh, tickets are limited. So Absolutely. I think brewers and those who have a have you know a dog in the in the race uh, um, have priority at the moment. But uh, once tickets go on sale to the general public, so if any of our listeners are keen to come along, uh, get in early. Too easy. Now we've got a bit of a blanc mange, a bit of a how would you describe today's episode, Prof? Yeah, um, I'm trying to think of a. It's not quite a ragu because it's kind of it's not kind of boiled down to to, to essence. It's it's uh, more maybe a smorgasbord. A cheese board, maybe a, 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 a tapas style a show. Tapas, lots, yes. <laughs> lots of little portions. Um, and starting with the, the first little portion is Beth Brash, who is the event uh, organizer for Bivana, um, and she's with the New Zealand Culinary Trust. And so we might have a bit of a chat to Beth about having gone through the Australian uh, craft beer uh, season, uh, craft beer festival season that's culminated with. Uh, Gab's heading over to New Zealand. Let's have a bit of a chat and find out what's happening in Wellington this year at Beervana. Beth Brush, welcome to Radio Brews News. Thanks for having me. It's, a, it's our pleasure. Now, Beth, um, as we said, you are the you, you work for the Culinary Events Trust in uh, Wellington, um, which mm-hmm. last year took over Beervana for the first time. Must have mm-hmm. been a, a, a huge learning experience for you taking over uh, the New Zealand's biggest beer festival. <laughs> yep, yep. It was, um, I've likened it to basically sort of jumping off a bridge onto a 
steam train sort of going full bore and just kind of holding on and just kind of <laughs> hoping it gets to the station. Um, it was, yeah, it was definitely, we, we had, I came on um, the start of June last year. Um, and so there, there was about 11 weeks to pull it together, but I was still working four weeks out of my old job. And yeah, it was a, it was a reasonably traumatic time, but um it was also incredible. Like it was, I mean, it really, it really was. People talk about their dream jobs. Um, I'd sort of, um, the last kind of five years, basically, I, unbeknownst to me, been sort of doing little sort of jobs, volunteer and, and, and paid that kind of all then led up to that sort of, that, this job. So it was pretty exciting. It must be hard stepping into a, to an event that already exists because Dave Cryer had started it and had gotten it through its its infancy um, and had seen it grow. And then you stepped mm. in when it was already something of a juggernaut, which would at least you, when you start small, you get to make all of your mistakes in a much smaller entity than, than uh, you took on last year. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's sort of it both it has both sort of its challenges, but also I guess its rewards as well so I mean I think one thing that was amazing is actually just to take on that legacy I mean Beavana has an enormous legacy across New Zealand and and David Cryer especially being such a huge advocate for beer in New Zealand and you know and and also in Australia and across the world um, I mean there's that that was something really amazing to take on and and then I think but then it also is that great thing where, you know, you get a fresh set of eyes. Like there's, there really is that sort of, that, you know, it's been proven that the sort of a whole idea of like event fatigue, you know, and sort of, and, and so, yeah, you, you sort of almost have to sort of reinvent it or there's something new every year just to keep everyone sort of excited. So, um, and that's, you know, that's, that's going from the, the exhibitors themselves, but also to the, you know, to the festival goers. So, it's an enormous challenge, but I think coming on fresh set of eyes, you know, I've been to Beavana, um, you know, for years and years and gone as a, as a punter and sort of, and yeah, so to kind of then get on the inside and be like, oh my goodness, <laughs> you know, there's so much to, there's so much to do, but um, yeah, I think ultimately it was a, it was a, a really wonderful thing to, to take on and, and to then take it to that next level, which is, I hope we Beth, get to do. Beth, oh, sorry. Beth, we're torn between kind of, um, I guess, wanting to keep it looking the way it did, uh, which I guess is, is important for, for those who, who have been to Beavana and love it, but on the other hand, also wanting to, and you've, you've kind of hinted at it there, keeping it fresh or taking it um, into the future and, and, and growing it. Was, it, was that uh, a difficult kind of, um, I, I guess, decision to how it would look? I think the main thing that we realised, or the, the, one, the one thing that we sort of set out to do as soon as, I mean, as soon as I started and, and Sarah, who, you know, runs the Wellington Culinary Events Trust, had already sort of put in place, you know, we, right from the word go, we set up an advisory committee. So that has brewers on it, it's got publicans, it's got um, people who run the, um, the craft beer capital Sort of um, sort of entity here, so because it's all very well, you know, me going. Ah, I think we should do this 
you know, and this we have this kind of, I don't know. Grand ideas for something new. Yeah, Yeah. bar dedicated to, I don't know, beers only brewed with body yeast or something. But (laughs) the the you know like, but actually, it has to be an industry thing. It has to be for the industry, like that. That is the the number one thing because without the brewers on board, the Ivana is nothing. (laughs) Like, you know, if they're not happy. Then and it's not working for them. Then 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 what's it for? So um, that was the absolute key, I think. And then and then so then all of the crazy ideas and all of the exciting things and new initiatives that actually goes through them and says, well, is this actually does this actually work for you? And yeah, so it, it what's been really cool is that. Um, yeah, I mean, we're starting to make a few changes. We don't want to, like, fall on our face and just com- change it completely straight away. Um, but, you know, we are sort of making a few changes, and those have been really well received. And it just seems like everyone's really excited and invigorated by this kind of um, a sort of new direction. How important, then, also is uh, Wellington on a plate in terms of, I guess, A, linking to... I guess, like festivals together, but also in that it, it's bringing perhaps beer people to, to food venues that, that uh, they may not have discovered before and likewise bringing food people to beer that they might not have discovered before. Yeah, it's, it, is, um, it is really important. And I think, you know, I mean, David recognised that sort of early on as well. And that's why it's always been part of the Wellington on a Plate program. Um, but I think one thing that we've we sort of were able to do last year and now definitely this year we've played off I guess our strengths a lot more with around the sort of those food relationships that we have is really growing this this the idea of like the the, the festival food element of Biavana and you know last year even last minute we were able to sort of pull in a few heavy hitters and and so this year um, we what we sort of thought well why don't we pair up the restaurants with a brewery a, like just one brewery and so when with the application process uh, breweries were able to sort of say oh yeah you know I'm really keen to be part of this restaurant pairing um, program um, but what and then again it, it just Basically, in, it's, it, now it's got to this point where it's exceeded all of our expectations and it's grown way beyond we could something we could have ever imagined. So what happened is then, so then some breweries had worked with certain restaurants, so they've gotten, they just got in touch with some of the, you know, like some really top restaurants in Wellington and actually um, overseas as well. And um, they said, hey, do you want to do this with us? Um, and then with the other breweries that sort of put their hands up, you know, because we have all of these relationships with amazing restaurants around, around Wellington, we sort of said, hey, do you want... It's kind of become an invitational spot. So we went out and sort of said, hey, do you want to be part of this? Do you want to be paired up with these guys? And and now we're seeing, um, like, quite a few of the restaurants, like we're putting them together on the concourse and they've just kind of gone, well, instead of having you know, one stand 
like the size of one stand. Now we've got the size of two. Let's kind of combine that all together and create this like sort of giant mega Uber food and beer stand, like with a kind of common theme. And it's almost like there's going to be these kind of mini sort of bars and restaurants around around the concourse. So it is, yeah, it's this amazing thing that beer seems to do, which is just kind of brings people together and work, working together in that sort of collaborative nature. It's it's very cool. It sounds like an awesome uh, experience. And beer and food is certainly one of the ways to really engage the wider Wellington area. And I, I still think back to when I was over there, it must be four or five years ago for Bivana, one, and it's still one of the most memorable beer dinners I've been to. Was at Logan Brown, um, mm. and it wasn't it wasn't a formal beer dinner. They just had a, a, a really nice, concise beer list and treated beer the way they did with wine. Um, mm. And I thought it was it really was a benchmark for me. Sean Clouston, so he you know he's the head chef at Logan Brown, is easily the 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 chef for me who just, I, you know, like he truly understands beer matching. I think it's it's so much harder to really nail a good beer match than, say, than with wine. And he he is, like, he is really, really, like, at the top of his game with that thing. And he was an early adopter with, um, with um, you know, getting craft beer onto his, um, onto his menus at Logan Brown, they now have grill meets beer um, sort of across the road. And so that's more sort of, yeah, beer focused, um, you know, sort of burgers and, and, and kind of ribs and that sort of going down that route. But even still some of the, um, some of the food that he, that he has done there. And actually it's, it's interesting you say that because um, so Jason, so X X Eight Wired Brewer Jason now works for McLeod's, and so when we when we released the um, so the the um, that restaurant pairing um, news to the brewers, he yeah immediately was on the phone to Sean and said, hey, do you want to work together? And um, and so yeah, they're going to be doing. They've got this amazing little story, um, like around even like the story around the food and the the food pairing that they're going to do and um yeah so they're going to be so sean will be there as um sort of as grill meets beer but it's sort of um yeah you know it's that sort of thing where it was like suddenly these relationships are already there and 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 there's stories behind all of the food that's going to be at Bivana and i mean that that's so cool so i mean Bivana is one of the events that pete and i have very fond memories of and we've talked about um whether we can get across this year and it just doesn't work with our schedules this year. But what I know, know, it's one of those things that uh, I I always, we we have a big event um, in Brisbane um, that runs for 10 days just immediately prior. Um, So we probably need to spend some time with our families, but stepping outside of that, if if we could be, we would be. Um, But Mm. what, what is the great pull to, to bring Aussies um, over the Dutch um, to for, for Bivana this year. You know why we, we've got a couple of good beer festivals over here, but what makes Bivana, you know, one of those festivals that you really need to travel for? I think I think the the something that I'm really picking up from everyone this year is this this sort of fun. There's this element of festive fun that 
I think previous years of Beervana, you know, you've seen specific breweries kind of putting on a bit of a show and, you know, like there's, you know, everyone talks about sort of garage project and all the kind of weird and wacky things that they do, but, you know, Pan had had a tattoo parlor and, you know, there's, there's beard trimming and all these kind of crazy things. And I think this year it really feels like absolutely everyone has kind of, is actually starting to think along those lines. And it's so, I think, yeah, it's, it, I, I think that all of the breweries are just going to have a lot, a lot of fun. There's going to be so much more interaction with the, you know, the brewers and the breweries themselves and yeah, there's just, and I think even just when it sort of trickles down to sort of every part of the festival, you know, that food element, but also, you know, the entertainment, um, there's going to be, you know, like a bicycle powered stage and, you know, like there's just kind of everything, there's an element of sort of interaction and fun and, and cause it's a festival, right? Like I think for a while sort of people, sort of, some, some people sort of say, well, you know, I can do a bar, a bar crawl around my city, and I, and so it, there has to be that sort of um, that sort of point of difference or something more. And I think it's just that that festive atmosphere that that is going to be there in droves this year. I I, I mean, I really feel that um, between Gabs, which is the biggest Australian festival in Birvana, there's almost that. Beatles Beach Boys thing where you know Gabs is uh, Sergeant Peppers and uh, uh, Bivana is uh, Pet Sounds where you're each mm-hmm. looking at what each other is doing and having to lift what you're doing so you know a, a lot of the things you mentioned there um, we've seen grow into Australian beer festivals and const- and yeah. you know, and then seeing what you guys are doing really upping the stakes so it's really lifting um, you know, you, you can't just turn up at an Australian beer festival anymore with a card table and a miracle box and think that you're going to draw a big crowd. And I really yeah, saw yeah. the, the the look and the professionalism of the displays um, really kick off at Beervana. Um, and that's had such a big influence on all of the beer festivals in Australia. Mm-mm. And I think, you know, like, yeah, like, I mean, Garage Project over at Gabs as well, you know, like they've, I think, they sort of probably went over there, and so they just did what they do, and then and and sort of uh, that probably shocked a few. <laughs> Australians inspires it inspires us. Oh inspired, yeah. Inspired, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and I think you know, and that's I think that 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 sort of attitude is, is has really sort of has has sunk in as well with with all the um, with all the breweries here. I mean, people are talking about having like karaoke booth but a, a chili karaoke booth so you you know they're going to book in people and you have to sing, sing sing one version of you know one sort of verse of your song and then and then eat a really hot chili and keep singing and then there'll be you know prizes and there's there's like a, a sort of a silent disco beer matching so basically you know depending on what beer you're drinking you know that's matched with a with a song, and you know, like it, it oh, just wow. okay. it, it it just seems it actually is kind of getting to this point of like crazy Willy Wonka land. But um, yeah, I I just I'm finding it so hilarious and so exciting um, that just kind of it just feels like everyone's buying into you know to just this um, kind of completely 
sort of almost like otherworldly beer experience, you know. There, I think it is going to really be really welcome. To, yeah, no, there, there really does seem to be a very creative, artistic, adventurous streak, um, you know, in New Zealand brewers that dry that does really push um, some great ideas forward, um, and, and you've mm. named a couple, but it, it, it seems to go quite broadly across the uh, you know, the industry over there, and I think that's had a really positive effect on both sides of the, the Tasman. Mm, mm. No, I, I absolutely, I absolutely agree, and that's exciting. I, that's the exciting thing about beer, isn't it? You know that that's what maybe we've we've got over the the wine industry is that there's just so much creativity and, you know, and there are no sort of, you know, holds barred. Like you can just have as much fun as you possibly want. So, and then, and, and, and so, you know, and, and I think that's another thing for Biavana is like, is actually not taking ourselves too seriously. You know, I think we've that sort of going beyond that kind of very geeky niche thing and sort of saying, Let's just have, like, let's actually just have a bit of fun. Let's pull more people into this amazing industry. Let's get more people excited about it. It's not, you know, it's it's not a exclusive club. It's like, it should it it should be a sort of mainstream thing. Couldn't have said it better myself. And I think that's probably a good point to to for us to finish on. Um, where can people find out more information? And uh, tickets are obviously still available. Yeah. Yep. Um, they are, and they're going. I mean, we sort of have the. Um, we're lucky enough, I suppose, that 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 the um, the venue is enormous, so the um, there is always tickets available. But um, the tickets on sale now. You can check out the website beavana.co.nz and sort of uh, also like lots of sort of stuff happening on all the different social channels and sort of special announcements through newsletters and all those amazing things that you can. Um, until you're sort of sick of me telling you about it and yeah get over here and and come along and we can't recommend it highly enough and we'll obviously link um, to the, the ticketing site and the uh, Vivana site from our uh, show notes so people will be able to uh, jump online and find you very very easily yeah cool and it's probably yeah like the all of the there's lots of different ticket types this year and um, sort of offering um, definitely a bit of a you know hat tip to the um, to the um, Gabs guys having, you know, like we're also have, are doing the sort of all access, sort of all four sessions pass, um, which has been, you know, sort of requested to us um, from various fans. And yeah, so um, yeah, probably the best place to find out about all the different ticket types is on our website. Wonderful, Beth. Well, thank you very much for joining us on Radio Brews News. We're sorry that we won't join you next year, but I do have it locked in for next year, and I'll definitely be uh, watching to see how the uh, feedback comes from this year's event. But uh, all the best, and uh, we look, we'll look, we try and catch up with you afterwards to find out how it all went. Excellent. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Beth. In the garden, what a garden. Brews News is made possible by Brewpack, Australia's number one craft contract brewer. With over 100 craft beers and ciders on the roster and counting, Brewpack specialises in offering growing craft breweries a home for their packaged and kegged beer, no matter how crafty. Serious about handmade beers, and with an open-door policy, Brewpack's brewers love having passionate, hands-on partners in the brewery. Thinking about craft contract brewing? Think Brewpack. And uh, yes, we thank Brewpack for not only making a whole lot of great craft beers possible, but also for making this podcast possible. 
There we go, Prof. Uh, that was Beth Brash. Uh, wonderful. Uh, are you heading over to Bivana this year, Prof? I know that we've been over together in the past. Uh, look, I was kind of, you know, when one of these things pops up in your in your in your feed, and you go, "Oh, hang on, cheap t- tickets to Wellington," or maybe that's, you know, is that a sign? But I just think um, timing-wise for us coming so close to the Ecca, it might be a little difficult to to sneak one in. But look, I'd love to come over to Bivana and because uh, you know I don't I don't know if they have craft college or uh, you know Q and A's kind of uh, thing. If you know, they have had those because I know Kiralee's done a couple of uh, um, like beer and cheese sessions, not yeah. quite as formally as as what you do. Um, and I, and I guess it'd be too much of a rip off to take the idea holus bolus but um no i think they certainly should look at giving you a job um, prof yeah I'm, I'm just looking for an excuse to kind of turn it into a yeah no no it's it's not a junket at all it's you know it's work <laughs> I, hopefully beth is still listening and uh, yeah no, I'd, I'd certainly be aiming to get across but i'm heading off to well we've got Oktoberfest and oh sorry we, we've got uh, an exhibition and then you go straight from that pretty much into Oktoberfest and uh donning donning the lederhosen yeah, would you hear that out? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Before now, for those who don't know, Matt does have beautiful polished floorboards, and I reckon the dogs perhaps need their toenails clipped because um, you, you'll probably hear that pitter patter in the background. But just explain that one for us, Matt. Well, yeah, well, it's bin day, and I think that was my recycling bin going out. There you go. <laughs> that great big crash of bottles. I could hear it through the uh, noise cancelling headphones. Uh, we have no, discussed trust- that perhaps, perhaps we need to change our regular recording uh, schedule to a Wednesday uh, because yes. to, to avoid both um, bin days plus other regular things that, that seem to happen and uh, partners with days off and all that sort of stuff. Hey, yes. Hey, well, maybe, well maybe, maybe, maybe this is just the, the universe's way of saying, yes, you need a studio. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, so yeah, so I won't be getting across, but I'd dearly love to because it is, uh, you know, up there with Gabs is one of my uh, all-time. But I instead will be going to one of the uh, truly, you know, historically great beer festivals in uh, Oktoberfest. Yeah. So actually, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that, Prof. It's um, been working with a couple of the local beer distributors to head over to some of my favourite breweries. And so at the moment, I'm heading into Bumberg. Yep. Um, while I'm up there, heading out to Freising to the Weinstefana um, Brewery. Um, and also there's at Aldersbach, which is an hour right um, or east of the... Um, I'm just sort of, of Munich. You know, thinking of the map. Yeah, of, of Munich. Um, they have a festival that celebrates the uh, 500th year of the Reinheitsgebot. Um, so it is the National Beer in Bavaria um uh, exhibition. So it's a very big six-month exhibition celebrating 500 years of uh, beer in uh, Bavaria. So I'm very excited about uh, nice. well, listen, I, that. Nice. Well, I must so. put you in, in touch with uh, Matthias Trum at um, at uh, Schlenkerler. Um, he's the, the head brewer there in uh, in Bamberg. So I shall pass I, I, on I, I, his I details. Yes, please do. Cause I, and I think I might actually have been introduced to him through somebody else. So, uh, yeah, so all things considered and getting to Oktoberfest. I'm hoping to get to the Arns Upfen. Just hold the phone a sec. Yeah. Prof, just a sec. So we get to Liz. It's probably, probably the beer fairy coming along, uh, dropping off some nice beers to Matt. So thank you to whoever's done that. Not, you know, I, that, I don't get nearly as many visits, you know, perhaps as, as Matt does from um, from the beer fairy. Ah, uh, but, sorry uh, about that, Prof. 
But uh, you know, did you have to sign for it there, Matt, or was it uh, was it just a? No, no, no need to sign for it. It was a uh, yeah a was it beer beer mail yeah beer mail from Stockade Brew Company, um, which is the uh, brewing our, arm of our, our very good, <laughs> yeah. very good friends at Brewpack, who make so the they, show possible. That's all right. I, I carried on. I don't think anyone noticed, Matt. I I filled the dead air there. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, now where was I? I was talking about, yes, yeah, of heading into the Anzuppen, which is the keg. I'm hoping to get along to that. It's apparently very, very difficult, but I'm hoping to... Uh, what, what is the Anzuppen? Now, that's the official launch of Oktoberfest, where they tap the keg, the Lord Mayor of... Uh, or the, the Mayor um, of Munich taps the first keg of Oktoberfest beer. And, from, and you can't have a beer at Oktoberfest until that is done. Um, and yeah, so that's the official start of Oktoberfest. So I'm hoping to get along to that. Um, but I've, I, I am uh, in negotiations with his people to uh, maybe get a chance to interview um, the, the Lord Mayor. So, um, well, listen, yeah, what, so what, that, that... Can, can, I, can I just get you to do me a huge favour, Matt, just for the purposes of uh, world peace and international relations and all that sort of thing? If this guy's not allowed to tap the keg, uh, if nobody's allowed to drink at Oktoberfest until this guy's tapped the keg, can you speak to him after he's tapped the keg? Yes. I just don't want you to get into, you know, uh, no, I won't say a turgid rant, but, you know, like a, a, <laughs> that was a long-winded intro of a 13-part of a, a question and, and have a, a million very angry Germans looking on, tapping their watches. Okay, Prof. I'll, I'll take that under advisement yeah. and try not to be insulted at the same time. So... Uh... <laughs> And now, uh, Prof. Guest 2, Peter Willis. Um, now, you teed this one up because we ran a story from Peter that he's exporting to China. Yeah, got a letter from uh, Pete letting us know that uh, on the back of some pretty good success that they've had with um, with, with uh, beer awards in uh, in Southeast Asian region. And, of course, I think their current uh, champion, Oceania Brewer, in uh, in one of those particular award categories. Um and have been looking well. They've been have been importing outside of Australia, exporting from Australia, uh, but not into uh, China. So I thought good opportunity to strike while the iron's hot and have a bit of a chat to Pete. Peter Willis, welcome back to Radio Brews News. Thanks, Matt. Great to be back, Prof. Good to speak to you again. Yeah, you too, mate. Congratulations on the um, uh, the deal. Do you want to uh, perhaps before Thanks. we uh, get right into that, uh, fill people in for those who perhaps don't know the Hawthorne Brewing Company story. Yeah, no worries, guys. Um, so Hawthorne Brewing Company, we're based down here in Melbourne. We've been around since 2009, so one of the uh, one of the early guys, I suppose, compared to the number of breweries that are around today. Um, by that time, we've been contracting and gypsy brewing at a variety of spaces around around uh, Australia, and you know, produced our our five SKUs. Um, we're now doing a range of seasonals, brew shed collection, which has been out for about uh, a year now, which is uh, sort of giving us that little bit of a uh, free reign and bit of variety now, to, I, I, uh, to normal course. I'll just jump in there, uh, Pete, just for those who aren't in the biz. Um, SKUs, uh, stock keeping units, which is uh, a variety, of, which is each individual product. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, so, yeah, yeah. Just five, yeah, exactly. Five different styles on our, on our core range, plus the uh, plus season. Absolutely, mate. Sorry for uh, <laughs> retail parlances there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. You never know who's listening. It, it's a broad church at Radio Brews News. Absolutely, guys. Yes. Yeah, so sorry for that. So uh, yeah, I was just talking about um, so our, our 
our brew shed, which is a uh, which is an exciting sort of thing we've, we've bought out in the last twelve months, which is more our seasonals, which is you know, obviously you know, craft beer booming and growing, and people are looking for obviously the their staples, but also the little ones they can dabble and get a bit you know get a bit excited about. And um, you know we've done a couple of keg runs, and you know, we've got actually got a, a new one coming out um, in a couple of weeks, which will be uh, our first package on the brew shed front. But maybe that, that's for another another press release. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much what's been taking up our time for the last sort of couple of years, is trying to grow and, uh, and expand and give people what they want in the craft beer front. Now, the thing that piqued our interest was the story we ran uh, that was based on a media release, so we wanted to just dig a little bit deeper, and that's uh, you've signed a China export deal. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's um, very exciting. I mean, we've been we've been exporting for a couple of years um, into Europe and the UK through some pretty good distribution deals over there, and uh, I was over in China last year at a trade show, uh, that was on the back of a Japan one earlier in the year, just just sort of seeing what opportunities there were over in the Asian market. Um, you know, we'd previously sent beer to Singapore uh, sort of up until a couple of years ago and Hong Kong similarly. Um, so we knew there was a, a bit of an appetite there. And now that the market's growing and obviously, you know, with, with China sort of the booming middle class, we thought, well, let's get back there and, and see what's around. So um, last year's trade show was a real eye opener. I you know, got to speak to a lot of good people and um, actually some some good Aussies who are actually based over in Europe who are doing similar sort of they're actually exporting or importing things into China. They, they gave me a, a lot of good advice. And, uh, you know, when I was there, we, we, we met a lot of people. And uh, on the back of that sort of discussions began, and this is November last year, um, around sort of what opportunities there might be. And, uh, yeah, after, what are we now, eight months in, we've uh, finally inked a deal and uh, sent our first container of the water across to, um, to a distribution company based in the southern states, uh, which will, should see our beer arrive in a couple of weeks and uh, sort of get out to through their network. And they've got quite an extensive network um, I'll call it on and off premise. It's a little bit different over there, but for the sake of this, it's, it's similar. And uh, and sort of, you know, they've got big plans in terms of marketing. They they currently bring in Australian wine, so they're sort of used to that Australian product and the, and the sort of the cachet that it has to their consumers. And um, feel they can do something with the beer, which is obviously very exciting for us. Pete, is this a little bit different to perhaps the UK and Europe, where I imagine, um, and even Singapore perhaps, where uh, they're, they're not big beer drinkers, but I would imagine that the expat community would would have a uh, drive a little bit of the demand is it different or is it the same into china is it the uh, the locals who are just you know australia's the flavor of the month or is it uh, expats who are living over there or people who have been to australia and, and have now returned to china wanting to get australian beer yeah good question Prof. i think speaking with the guys when i was up in shanghai at the trade show the australian appeal is very much sits in the expat market there's you know there's there are many 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 Aussie bars up there and, and a big community so in Shanghai that is the case um, that's not where we're raised actually we're down in, in the southern states of Yunnan and Guangzhou uh, I'll probably get those names wrong and a few others down the south where it really is the Chinese consumer that they're appealing to I mean there's this you know over the last couple of years the middle class has just boomed China has a real appetite for these you know sort of I'll say premium brands to sound snobby but just this um, you know over and above their their very generic beers um, they like the cachet that comes with it. Obviously, throwing Australia into the mix, which you know is, is as you say, perhaps five of the month, and they've got a, a long association. And the distributor is, is something going to be targeting um, the Chinese consumer uh, simply because of the location, and they feel there's a real opportunity. Um, European and American brands have been in the market for some time. See a lot of 
the mainstream ones, your Heinekens and your, your, your Stellas and those things. But there's also a lot of little independent people who play in our space that come from Europe and, and the US and they've had good success with them. So they uh, they see that this is an equal opportunity for you know, for Australia now to sort of show what, what we've got on the beer front um, and appeal to that, that sort of people who are looking for that, that next step up in beer. Um, yeah, much like it's, it's happening in Australia or in, in other parts of the world. Have you noticed tastes have changed? Because you don't hear, you, I've started to hear that some of the uh, other Asian countries such as Singapore uh, and places do have a um, uh, nascent craft brewing industry. We're seeing uh, ads for brewers uh, and the like. Is the mm-hmm. same thing happening in China? Because our perception of beer over there is, you know, Qingdao and that style of very crisp, uh, light lager Um you know, are tastes really yeah. changing over there? No, look, I, I think they are, Matt. I'm, you know, I'm certainly no cultural expert on, in China, but just my visits over there and talking to people who are on the ground there and you know, have a, you know, at, at the coal face is that it is a little bit. I mean, it's still going to be your think towels and, and snow beers and that sort of value chain prospect at the, at the lower end. But you know, just given the sheer volume of, of people in China, it doesn't take much when you've got a billion people to... To, to, to get a, a decent following. So while you know, it, it's a very, very small percentage, the numbers are quite large of people who are you know, looking to experiment, looking to get a bit more taste and flavour and, and really see it as a, I suppose, as a niche brand and, and it gives them a sense of China's very much a, a culture that li- likes the finer things. They like to sort of you know, present to their friends and we, we've got all these, these niceties and this beer is one thing that, that we've got onto. And I think that's, that's where the, the real opportunity is here. Um, how much in the southern states, provinces, I don't know, but certainly our distributor seems to think that there's a, a great opportunity. So we'll wait and see, I suppose, on that one. And how about the economics of exporting beer? Because on a world scale, beer in Australia is quite expensive because of our excise regime. Um, I would imagine that it would be fairly expensive, unless you're ship, really shipping large volumes, um, it would be fairly expensive to, to send to China. How, does, how do the economics of uh, export work? Yeah, look, you really do need to get your numbers spot on. I mean, once you stripping out excise, still leaves us with you know fairly high production costs. Just the nature of, of the Australian industry with labour costs and materials, etc. So, once you ship something offshore, yeah, you're competing against the world, and that's you know European and US imports, and they've obviously got cheaper inputs than we do. So, you, you, you've got to get your numbers right. I suppose for us, um, you know, volume is key. So, you know, pallet. Uh, Pellets just don't cut it these days if you want anything meaningful. So it's containerized loads. Um, in this instance, we, we loose packed it to get as many cases in as we could just to keep freight costs down and obviously allow us to land it at a, at a competitive price that the distributor felt that they could work with. So, look, Australia's not far off the money. And I think if, you, um, if you're realistic around your margins, you know, it's never going to be a huge margin earner. Um, where the export market is good is, is obviously in, in volume. If you, if you do it right, and can crack it and maintain, sort of develop a brand. That's the key. If you can develop a brand first and foremost, um, then the volumes will come. And I suppose you know, making a couple of bucks on a million cases is better than making ten bucks on five cases. So that's the dream, anyway. Hey Pete, one last thing just before we let you go, because um, I'm, you know, we're aware that you you've got important things to do, uh, and you're flying <laughs> out, I think, uh, tomorrow. So. Um, just something that's occurred to me: Is there an opportunity here to perhaps kill two birds with one stone, just with the, um, you know, the the thirst, I guess, for um, for Australian products in China? Can we see, um, you know, Hawthorne Brewing Company, perhaps a uh, limited edition beer that's um, made with baby formula? 
they don't like you, but I think you can only buy uh, one or two tubs these days, can't you? <laughs> well, that's, a, so that's no, an I'm opportunity. Not... That's that's if you're over here at Coles. But, you know, if you send it over there, you could send as much as you like, mate. Is that, yeah, you know, man, look, I'll... lactose, you know, uh, milk stouts, maybe. Yeah, look, I, I don't know. I suppose at the moment it's, um, we're just going with our core brands. Uh, you know, it, it's easy. It's a product that we have, and they, they obviously like it. China's one of those markets where... Again, the key thing that we found out was you get the product in the world, but they're very much, unless they've seen it somewhere else, um, it's very hard. But once you get your foot in the door, and then it's like, oh, someone else has got it, now I might feel comfortable to, to try it. And I don't know whether that's a cultural thing. It's just, it's just the name of the consumer over there. But um, certainly for us, yeah, at this stage, nothing too adventurous, mate. It'll have to be high uh, labels, what they want. They'll get that in. Maybe we'll, uh, we'll branch out when the palette evolves. And so just on that, it's just the, the pale ale, the Hawthorne pale ale to start with and then take it from there. Yeah, exactly. That, that's that's obviously the, that's the stew that, that they feel I got the, the best legs with. We did some, um, actually did some taste testing in both in China and Japan, um, just with a very small sample group through the distributors. And, and when we were up there and, and that sort of got the most uh, sort of points, you know, on a scale of one to 10, for, we sent all our, all our skews across and that was one that I thought had the most appeal. Um, and obviously, as it is our biggest beer, it's something that we can slot in production-wise and and use economies of scale because you know, we had to change labels and do a few things to to make it viable for the Chinese market. So it made it made it a bit easier for us to do that. So, so just uh, before we let let you go, what did you have to change on the label? Well, what was it about the label? Was it uh, just like to to meet local legislation requirements, or was it uh, for consumer appeal? A little bit of mostly the the. the um, regulations, Matt. Um, you know, Chinese Chinese import restrictions <laughs> are very uh, very stringent and drawn out. So the entire back label is all in Chinese. Um, there's certain criteria you're going to put on there. So similar to labelling requirements here, but it's all in Chinese. But the front label was tweaked a bit. Um, we just gave a little bit of a, an Aussie appeal. Now that's um, you know sort of expanding the Australian craft beer stamp that we have in our domestic brand, just making that more prominent. Um, the use of the classic Australian symbol, the kangaroo, to uh, just again identify it as, a, as an Australian product. So it's a visual image of Australia rather than the word Australia. Um, just a, a couple of little things like that that, you know, in consultation with with the distributors, they sort of said, well, look, that's, that's going to help its marketability. Um, we also have a Chinese name for our brand. Please don't ask me to repeat it. I will get it wrong. Um, what what did, does it translate to Hawthorne? Or? No, uh, that's one thing you can do. You can look for a literal translation. Um, but in talking with uh, the marketing team over there, you can either go a, a direct translation, and then Hawthorne just didn't make any sense um, in, in Chinese characters, or you can go for something that stands for your brand. Um, and I, it alludes to the moment, but it's something about um, integrity and flavour uh, is the sort of words and the characters that we've gone for, and the, and then phonetically it sounds quite appealing to to the Chinese consumer. I mean, this is this is based on. The advice we got from the from the marketing team over there. So, uh, unfortunately, when my Cantonese is not that good, I can't. I'd love to be able to tell you what it is, but I've forgotten it, guys. So I know I'll just I'll get it wrong. So I'll, I'll politely decline. <laughs> well, that, that's interesting because I was going to ask whether the the Hawthorne name was at all relevant to uh, to, to to this deal, um, but it's, it sounds like it's not. It just sounds like it's the the beer quality and the fact that you were generically Australian. Look, I think so. You, you, you have to be realistic when you when you become you go to the export market. Your name doesn't carry much sway at all. I mean, you, you know, we may be known in Australia, uh, but once you step offshore, you're competing with everyone else. So you've got to 
stand up on your own. The beer has to stand up its own right. The deal has to stand up its own right, and they've got to just see a vision in in you know, I suppose in you, your product, your pricing, and other things that that um, that matter. So for us, it was certainly um, yeah they didn't come to us because they'd seen an award or something. Obviously, the trade show we were there, we were present. They liked the product, and, and discussions ensued. But um, it was all the little things along the way, even to the point where they came out. Um, you know, and, and we brought Brewpack, as, as you guys know. So we took them to Brewpack and took them through the facility. They wanted to see what they're they're getting involved in. Um, so it was a it was a lot different to the other export markets which we've done, which have just been emails, handshakes, and you know, containers packed and sent. This was a a lot more hands-on and, and structured, and uh, I think that's obviously you know reflected in the Chinese culture, which is business is, is done that way. It's a lot of you know, FaceTime, and I want to see what's going on and meet the right people and shake the hands of the people I'm doing I'm doing business with. Awesome. Well, Peter, thank you very much for joining us. All the best with the export. We might touch base with you in uh, you know, a couple of months and see what, what the reception's like and how the business is going. Yeah, that'd be great, guys. I'm actually off to, off to Hong Kong tomorrow to talk to another distributor on, on my way to Europe, so we might have another story for you as well. <laughs> awesome, mate. Nice chatting and uh, good luck. Thanks, guys. Appreciate the time. Bye-bye. Thanks, Pete. Good luck. And that was Peter Willis uh, from Hawthorne Brewing. Um, now, well, perhaps, perhaps I, yeah, not necessarily Hawthorne Brewing. It might be, you know, Mighty Hawk Brewing or... Well, it'd be interesting to find out from uh, uh, from Pete when the, if we can get a, a copy of the label or something like that to see how it looks um, and in, in which way it's different to the one that we're used to. Absolutely, yeah, we, we, we might do that. But uh, And uh, I had actually... He mentioned uh, Brewpack. I had actually forgotten that they were... Uh, get, getting their beers and beers seemed to chop and change so that wasn't a uh, tied up with our commercial uh, obligations at all that we weren't shilling for anybody then and there so um, yeah but no it'll be interesting to see because we are starting to see a lot of craft breweries um, sending beer offshore it'll be interesting to see how well they go yeah and obviously different companies will have different uh, distributors and, and different ways of getting the beers in um, I'd be interested to see some of the brewers who might want to get their beer over there but don't necessarily want to, I guess, change their image um, or, or or think that, you know, maybe their image, the, the way it is at the moment, uh, will carry them through. So um, exciting times ahead. Now, Prof, uh, we, we have been banging the drum a little bit about uh, you know, raising some money or um, you know, getting some patrons on board. And uh, one of the bonuses that we've got for anyone that, uh, you know, um, gets behind us for $10 a month Um is that they get to nominate a guest that they would like to have, uh, you know, 10 minutes with and ask questions of themselves and we will do our best to get them on. Um, Paul Pacey, who is our very, very first uh, patron, has offered, has elected not to come on um, with us but has sent through some questions and he's, he's nominated Brad Rogers um, as being the man that he would like to uh, get a couple of questions with. So uh, we might get Brad Rogers on the phone and put Paul's questions to him. Someday somebody's gonna ask you I got a question for you Now he, he says, I'd be interested to hear from Brad about Number one, where they see Stone and Wood going with new beers from our backyard releases. Will it be one or two new beers each year or just Cloudcatcher and Big Scrub? Oh, okay, good question. I mean, uh, certainly with beers of our backyard, uh, you know, we saw the cloud catcher, uh, and now we've seen uh, the big scrub. And yeah, the plan is to roll, you know, something different out uh, each year. 
Uh, you know, I'm not going to go into what uh, what the next iteration of that might be, but you know, Big Scrub's certainly been uh, you know pretty successful uh, from all uh, from all reports, and yeah, great drinking. Just as my own um, follow up, then you know, do you use the beers from the backyard um, as a way to road test some beers and see whether they've got stickability or whether or are they intended just to be one offs? Oh no, I think you know with with that uh, with that part of you know uh, the Stonewood business, yeah, there's certainly an opportunity to you know see how that particular beer and that particular style actually you know can uh, lead its way into something a little bit more permanently. Unlike things that you know we've done, say the Mash Collective or the Forefathers type uh, beers, you know they're, they're definitely one-offs, and you know we all but uh, you know burn the you know, burn the, the brew card for those. But, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, beers in our backyard are definitely something that, you know, we look at that potentially has, uh, you know, a little bit more going on with them. Just just on Question. that, Brad. Oh, sorry, Matt. No, yeah. no, no, yeah, no yeah. You, go, you go, Prof. Yeah, just on that, Brad. Stop, stop Is... arguing, you two. <laughs> <laughs> We're like an old married couple. Yes. Yep. Brad, just on that, how do those beers come about? Is it the the brewers come up with the ideas? Do you guys come up with the ideas? That the marketing department is it a you know sitting around the table uh, collaborative kind of thing? Oh, you know, another great question. I mean, uh, it's I can tell you, it's certainly just, it's certainly not Jamie Roscoe and I sitting around going, okay, let's do this and let's you know throw the you know the marching orders out there. It's very much a collaborative approach approach uh, within the business. Uh, you know, we've got an amazing bunch of people, you know, something like 80, 85 people across the business now. And, you know, the last thing the three of us want to be doing is actually just going, OK, this is what we're doing. Go for it. We really need that built, you know, from the ground up. Uh, we have, you know, a, an annual planning day, uh, you know, across the business where we get everyone from the business uh, up into Byron. And, you know, from those planning days, uh, various things, you know, evolve. Uh, specifically for some of these beers, yeah, we really like to get the, you know, the brewers. We've got Keelan, uh, as you know, as our head brewer, and he drives that uh, NPD process. But yeah, we certainly get buy-in, you know, not just from the brewers, uh, but you know, also from the guys across, you know, the creative part of the business and the guys on the road. You know, at the end of the day, they're the guys that are actually at the coal face and seeing these beers uh, move off the shelf. So, yeah, very much a collaborative uh, approach. Now, this has got to be my favourite question, and it follows on a little bit from that. Um, I'm nervous. <laughs> how much hands-on work uh, has Brad actually been doing on the brewing side of the business these days? Are yeah, you just breaking okay, up there, well, Matt? No, sorry. We can't. We... No. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, Did no, you no, actually no, on the, no, on, on the boots? It's a really another really good question. I mean, like I said, you've got a lot of people across the business, and certainly for Jamie Roscoe and I, you know, it's uh, it's not about stepping away. It's just sort of stepping to the side and letting some of these guys, you know, rise and shine, you know, through our business, not just in brewing, but across the business. In terms of me personally, uh, you know, getting on the boots, yeah, I probably don't do as much brewing as uh, you know as we've done in the past. But it's funny, just uh, just last week, uh, we we're actually in Byron. Uh, you know, fully boots on, you know, doing a very special beer that we'll see, uh, you know, towards September. Uh, you know, I, I love brewing. I love putting the boots on. I just love the, you know, the smell of uh, the smell of grain and water, you know, boiling away in the, in the kettle and, you know, adding hops and whatnot. Yeah, I certainly, uh, I certainly miss doing the volume of brewing that, uh, that we used to do. 
but you know, in a business, you know, growing at such rapid pace that you know Stonewood is growing, it's pretty important to make sure that you know people across the business have the opportunities that we might have had, you know, 15, 20 years ago. And you know, whilst we, we're certainly uh, you know not in there every day with the boots on, we're certainly across everything. Uh, you know, we, uh, we we sit on many you know meetings and forums and you know boards, I suppose, across internally within our business and. Yeah, we're certainly not going anywhere, but it's pretty important to let uh, other people, uh, as I said, rise and shine through the business. Uh, the next one's got me a little bit perplexed because Paul may yeah. have a scoop that I've got. got you heard. perplexed. <laughs> <laughs> well, he may be onto a scoop here. Um, have they decided on a new brewery location yet since Bar has filled up? Oh, geez. Uh, well... You guys have actually all been to the brewery, and trust me, there's a lot of space. There's 16,000 square metres of uh, concrete there, and you know I think fully under roof at the moment. We've only got uh, what maybe 5,000 square metres under roof, so uh, you know there's a lot of room to grow uh, within the Mawuka Bar Brewery. Uh, but no, we're, we're certainly not actively looking to relocate uh, that brewery somewhere else. Uh, no, definitely. He might be. I mean, we are. We we do have an opportunity to do some work in Byron, uh, where we've got uh, you know another another site earmarked, and we're just working through some, you know, some preliminary stuff there. But yeah, certainly in terms of Mawillan Bar and a you know and a you know bigger production brewery for Stone and Wood, there's no plans on the table to move and relocate that out of where we are currently in the Bunning site. So, it, it, is that you. to say? Yeah, no, is that to say that you're moving the foundation brewery to another uh, location or uh, you're creating an, a third location if this site in Byron Bay comes off? Oh, no, as I said, you know, there's quite a few people across the business and we're just working through a few plans uh, within Byron to see, you know, how we can, uh, you know, ensure that everyone stays together. Uh, a bit of work to go, to, to, go, uh, to go through there. But, uh, yeah, in terms of Mawillan Bar, no, definitely... I mean, as we set Mawillan Bar up, uh, you know, it was a purpose, uh, you know, a very purposeful decision to up there. It's 16,000 square metres of concrete, and yeah, we're definitely not, uh, we're definitely not moving from there. So Paul may have uh, heard that you were, had, were at maximum capacity at, at a peak period, um, yeah, but you certainly yeah, haven't I mean, filled the footprint. But you'd, but you'd reached the capacity of your existing stainless at the time, maybe what he's uh, getting at. So maybe. Are, are you continue? Go on. So you go. You go. No, what I was going to say. I mean, uh, you know, we've got the two fifty hectolitre brew houses in there working. You know, alternately, uh, you know, across you know two shifts. We have a morning shift and an afternoon shift. Uh, we I'm, again, I'm not sure when Paul might have been there last or what he might have seen or heard, but we've actually just uh, commissioned the you know the twelve four hundred hectolitre tanks. Uh, in there, we've got quite a bit of fermentation capacity now, and you know we're we're hoping uh, that for the first time in many many years we might actually be able to uh, you know fill uh, most orders leading into Christmas, and you know it'll be the first time in four or five years we've been able to do that. Uh, the, the beautiful thing about Mawillambar is we we do have the ability to build uh, more cellars, uh, and that's certainly you know things that we continually look at you know across the business. Uh, how we actually, uh, you know, spend the right amount of capital in the right place at the right time uh, for our business. 
Uh, moving on to the next question. Uh, where, when can we try the Lark barrel-aged 2016 Stone Veer? Oh, gee uh, Yeah, well, you know, as you know, geez, I don't know who knows what these days, but, you know, uh, once a year we actually go down to uh, Hobart and I take, you know, four or five people from across the business, not just four or five brewers, but from across the business. And certainly on the, on the tour of that three or four days is the Lark Distillery. And this year we were down there with Chris, and uh, in conversation, yeah, we got hold of uh, a handful of um, a handful of uh, those Lark uh, distillery barrels, and yeah, we've we've currently got a little bit of uh, stone beer in, uh, just a couple of them. Again, very very small volume, very small stuff. Just uh, really, you know, just uh, for us, you know, to be, uh, I suppose, experimenting. I mean, as, as everyone knows, you know, there's a lot of work. Uh, around the world going into putting beer into barrels and you know, stuff we've done a bit of over the years and yeah it's just an opportunity and you know the the stars all lined up for us to uh, grab a grab a few of these uh, barrels and put some of this year's stone beer in so um, yeah look, looking pretty tidy might I say in the in the um, in the uh, uh, barrel so yeah too easy. And the last one, and I've got to give him full points for trying. Can I get an invite to the Stone Brew Day next year? Apparently, he's asked uh, each of you in the past, and he lives in hope. Well, maybe there's an opportunity uh, to do something, you know, going forward. As you know, we get a lot of interest from, you know, people across the country to try and get to the, you know, Stone Beer Brewing Day. But, you know, maybe as uh, maybe with. Uh, you know, Paul being the first uh, cab off the rank here, maybe there is an opportunity to, to do something. We might take that offline, but I'm, I'm sure we can help you out. Too easy. Well, there's uh, 10 minutes with uh, Paul Pacey and Brad Rogers. And, uh, mate, just before we let you go and get back to yep. sunning yourself on the beach, I probably should ask you the same question that I... <laughs> the the uh, same question I asked uh, Warren Pawsey when we spoke to him two weeks ago. Mate... Yep. When um, did you make the decision to dumb down Pacific Ale? Dumb down Pacific Ale. Jeez. <laughs> Jeez, it's one of those questions that we get asked all the time. So uh, it's not the same as it used to be. It's not the yeah. same. You know, and we've, and we've heard that with different brands, you know, for so long. I mean, you know, the beauty, the beautiful thing is, you know, as, as craft beer continues to grow, more people are drinking it, and you know, I, th I think people, you know, it's a natural thing that people's flavour profiles change and. You know, we certainly aren't dumbing. <laughs> we certainly aren't dumbing any of the beers down. But you know, I, I really think it's an individual choice. You know, the, the, some people that have never tried Pacific Ale look at it, taste it, smell it, and just a bit blown away by it. But you know, maybe if it's been your beer for for so so long, maybe there is you know some changes within individual sort of flavour profiles. But uh, you know, we still have a lot of people out there drinking quite a lot of uh, Pacific Ale. You know, and Green Coast, we got uh, the Garden Ale and Jasper out there. Uh, you know, all doing very, very well. So, no, we certainly aren't dumbing anything down. If anything, uh, yeah, trying to, you know, just keep up. Awesome, Brad. Well, mate, thank you very much for joining us, uh, taking time out of your holidays, and uh, talk to you again soon. All right, thank you. See you, Brad. Cheers. I've got a question for you. There we go. There you go, Prof. Yeah, that was a nice first uh, 10 minutes with, or... Patron, I'm thinking of alliteration, patron P, P something. We'll work something out. It, yeah, it, we'll maybe, work something out. Yeah, <laughs> maybe the next person to uh, to make a $10 donation can name the segment. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe <laughs> name we should have. Name your right sponsor. 
Maybe we should have thought these we things through before. Yeah. <laughs> but, hey. but I did. Uh, so thank you to Paul Pacey for both for his patronage and for those great questions. Um, and I, I love the way that Brad uh, that he said uh, at the end of it. Brad might talk more than ten minutes before you even get a question in, based on previous interviews. But all is good. So uh, there you go. Thank you very much. Um, and uh, and and I heard very clearly from both Warren and Brad, uh, Prof. It's not. It's not me. It's, it's you. you. <laughs> yes. So, All right, so you can take that uh, to the bank, listeners. There you go. Um, now, Prof, uh, now, listeners, as we said, um, if you become a patron and you can get the uh, patron, Patreon links um, on, on the website, if you do like what we do and you think it's worth uh, a little bit something to try and help us keep going, maybe get a, a soundproof studio or even just buy Prof a beer, um, you can jump online and uh, give us a hand. Uh, now, Prof, uh, heading into Cards and Letters Music Lockie. Got a box full of letters Thinking my right to read Good to have you back, Lockie. Prof- <laughs> uh, mate, I, I, I thought... Oh, no, uh, no, no, the I, I, police I, I thought my episode... Put message in a bottle, that was good. Last week was a little, yes. little bit lame, last week. So, but just, yeah. just not one of my favourite songs, but that's all. No, 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 but uh, let me see. Uh, now, Prof, have you had any chat this week? Anyone wanted to uh, pass on any messages to me about what I should do differently? No. Any whispers no, no. in your ear? No, nothing this week. You sure? Yeah. Okay. Uh, now, let me see. There was one that was... I've got one for you, Prof. Uh, one of our listeners has raised a question uh, following on your Prof's pot shot. Um so I'll put this in cards and letters because it's a uh, card and letter. Uh, now, Gus has chimed in. Prof's pot shot. Um, now, this was the one where you were talking about our good friends. Uh, is this Club, um, club Mix or, or Pines? Club Mix. Yeah, yeah. Club Mix. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, did I miss here or did you actually question the veracity of anthropogenic climate change? No, I just said that global man-made warming is just a big myth. So I you did I was, question. I thought it was quite clear. Yeah. So, so you don't believe in global global warming, prof? I believe in weather. Do I? And you don't believe you you don't believe that carbon dioxide being put out into the atmosphere has the ability to change man that's caused by man's industrial activities has the ability to influence the weather. No, I think that's being very egotistical to think that we're um that we're that that good. That's just a personal thing. No, yeah, I, no, I, I, no, just you know, it was a it was a bit of a throwaway line, I must admit. It was, and uh, obviously, it, um, it 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 had the desired effect. I thought I'll just throw one in there, you know. Nobody's just to see if anyone's listening. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, it, it is Australian Brews News and Radio Brews News. It's not sort of uh, green news. I'd I did have to throw it. that one in late because uh, originally the the original line in that uh, was um, uh, like the fake tradie Area Fifty One and something else, uh, and then I thought, oh, hang on, no, the fake tradie is not fake, so. I had to, I had to, you uh, know, just come. Ah, because we did record it twice. Yeah, um, that's right. So fair enough. Oh, there you go, Gus. You've got your answer, um, and you can email him if you want to take the conversation offline. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We're all going to die. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not a. No, I, anyway, are you a skeptic or a denier? I'm not a denier. No, no. I think I think the the Earth's weather is changing. Let's not get into all that. Okay, no, fair right. enough. You'll, you'll, you'll have me on to bloody, you know, marriage equality next. <laughs> 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 
But uh, now, so we apart from that, we haven't had any reviews to iTunes or listeners. If you do like us, and if you don't want to become a patron, but you still want to give us five minutes of your time by jumping online and rating us, good, bad, or indifferent, um, you can jump onto iTunes or your favourite podcasting platform. Uh, now we don't regularly monitor some of the other ones, so if you do leave us one, just flick us an email or a tweet, something to let us know um, you've done that, so we can highlight it and also highlight highlight your favourite podcasting platform. But jump on iTunes, leave a review, and uh, let us know what you um, think of the show and what we can do better and uh, help other people find it. Um, apart from that, we've given Patreon a plug. Um, you can help us out. I, I think that's pretty much the show then, Prof. It is. Keep those cards and letters coming. Please do. Let us know what you think. And uh, Well, Prof, um, thanks for another great show um, and look forward to catching up with you next week. Is that the music playing now? That is indeed. There's a garden, what a garden. Only happy faces bloom there. And there's never any room there for a worry or a gloom there. Oh, there's music and there's dancing and a lot of sweet romancing. Nothing left to say then, and we're out.